Hello there, welcome to a brand new Ars Blog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. I hope you're well. Uh, apologies in advance this evening, but I am a little bit croaky of voice. Not quite sure why, but I am. Not much I can do about it other than struggle manfully onwards until the end of the show and everything is recorded. If things get bad during the show and you hear me um, glugging out of something, it's not beer, it's uh, croaky throat medicine stuff. Okay, it's beer, it's beer. But what are you going to do? It's a Thursday evening, the interlull is now over. And it seems to have been a really boring one. The first week, of course, was taken up with all the joy of, of Mesut Ozil. I'm going to call him Ozil because I know there's a, the Ozil thing. I could call him Mesut Ozil. But I'm not sure of my German pronunciation at all. Even though I, I went with Cazorla rather than Cathorla. Even though I can pronounce and speak a little bit of Spanish along the way. I said, no, I'll go with the Cazorla. So I'm going to go with the Ozil because the Ozil... Sounds a bit like Wurzel, and that puts me in mind of Wurzel Gummidge. And for those of you um, who don't know who that is, that was a TV show, and he was a scarecrow. And scarecrows, traditionally, are not very good at football. There hasn't ever been a top Premier League footballer who's also been a scarecrow. They've got big, strawy feet, and the minute they go up for a header, well, you know, their entire, you know, head collapses and, you know, breaks and stuff like that. So um, that's why I'm going to stick with Ozil. Mess it, Ozil. So it was all very exciting last week when we'd signed him and spent £42.5 million on one single footballer. But then it sort of died off a bit, and then the internationals came along, and they made things worse. I didn't see any of the international football, uh, apart from a little bit of one of the Ireland games when I was on my way back from five aside last Friday. I think Ireland had just scored and all the people outside a pub that I drove past were going, yay. But then in the end, Ireland lost and Trapattoni got sacked and England didn't do very well, apparently, and it's all Jack Wilshire's fault as far as I can make out. That's what the papers were saying. Uh, so, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a tedious one from a footballing or non-footballing point of view, and it is a little bit, I guess, like getting a, a present that you can't open. £42.5 million pounds on a footballer, brilliant, can't wait to see him, but we've got to wait a whole week and a bit because, you know, there's an interlull. That's annoying. But he's here now with his strange eyes and no English. I'm sure uh, Purr and uh, Podolsky will sort that out. They'll tutor him, teach him the ways of settling into Arsenal. He seems to have the old Podolsky two thumbs up when you're having your picture taken thing down straight away. And what's the story with Podolsky? He's out injured for three months, but he's everywhere. When Ozil was in Germany, Podolsky was there with him, giving him an Arsenal shirt. Now that he's in London, Podolsky's right there too, at the training ground, in his training gear, even though he's out injured for three months. He's everywhere. Not that I have any real problem with that, but it just seems a bit strange. Normally when players are out injured for that length of time, they sort of, you know, go off and are told, yeah, well, go recuperate a little bit somewhere else. Podolsky's right there. It's probably good for team spirit and everything, but you can just sort of imagine Ozil in his hotel as he's getting up in the middle of the night to get a drink of water, and there's Podolsky sitting on the couch, just looking at him with his thumbs up. And the minute Ozil says anything, he'll just go, Aha! But that is the wonder of Podolsky. 
But we'll get to see Ozil this weekend, which is a, a good thing. And we get real football back because, you know, these interlulls are boring and tedious and made even more so when you've got DIY to do like I did this week. The Mirror, you'll be glad to hear if, you, if you've been following on the blog, is now um, hung, erected upon the wall above the fireplace. I didn't do it in the end. My father was reading the, the blog and was laughing at me for my lack of DIY skills, which is quite ironic because, as bad as I am, he's much, much worse. He is the least handyman of all time. He's far worse than I am. So for him to be laughing at me, well, that was one thing. But he got a friend of his to come down and, and hang the thing when I wasn't here. Maybe that was to make me feel less bad about it. I don't feel bad about it at all. I'm perfectly aware of my limitations. And frankly, somebody else doing it is much better than me doing it. Because number one, I don't have to do it. And number two, it's done. And number three, I don't have to worry if it goes wrong. If the mirror falls off, for example, falls off the wall, I'm not going to get the blame now. I suspect it could have fallen off the wall if I had managed somehow to get it up. If it falls off this, I would just ring this guy. I'll ring my father, actually. So it's all your fault. But anyway, I'm appreciative of his help and efforts. Uh, and we now have the mirror. I don't have any hot water in the kitchen yet because the fucking pipes thing still. Because I went around turning everything off and I'm pretty sure I just need to turn something the other way. But I turned so many things off, I don't know what I did apart from to get rid of the noise, so I'm waiting for the plumber still to come. But there you go, that's what happens in an interlull. You get these um, wild events in your life, mirror hanging and, and pipe problems. It doesn't really get much more exciting than that. For the next interlull, uh, I'm going to plan maybe a slightly blocked drain uh, and a plug that needs a fuse changing. I can talk about it for, whoa, five, ten minutes on the on the Arscast. That should get us through, no? Anyway, enough of this nonsense. We should talk about the stuff, the exciting stuff, the good stuff, the boggly-eyed German and what it means for the team and how we're going to get on with him and what he's going to bring to us and does he start this weekend against Sunderland and all that kind of stuff. So with me to discuss that and much more, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show a former gunner and now a presenter on Arsenal.com, an Arsenal player. Actually, you've gone from being an Arsenal player to Arsenal player. It's Adrian Clark. Hello. Hello, Andrew. How are you, mate? I'm well, thanks. Let's start by talking about Mesut Ozil because obviously that is the name that's on everybody's lips uh, heading into this weekend. Presented as an Arsenal player today, which is quite unusual. I don't think we've done that for a long time. He, there was a press conference. He's there with Arsene Wenger. Um, your thoughts on the signing itself and, and what he might bring to the team? It's just an incredibly exciting signing. It's just, it, it's a it's a statement that that Arsenal are back in the big league. We've we've had to sit and watch the other clubs, our rivals, splash out big money on on some of the world's best players, and now it's our turn to do it. And I think we've undoubtedly got the best player that was available in the window. I think it's it's a tremendous signing. Mm. It suits the way that we play perfectly. I think if there was a player made for Arsenal, it's Meza Ozil. Um, so, yeah, I'm just excited to see him play. I would just kind of temper the enthusiasm a little by saying that, you know, 
don't expect miracles overnight. You know, it may take a while for him to have a huge impact on the team, purely because it's just such a big change for him. Mm. Coming from Germany, living in a hotel, it's, it's a, there's a lot, you know, and the responsibility of being the main man, there's a lot for him to, to kind of, there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. So it's a kind of, I would just say, let's let's wait a while and, and he will come good. Do, do you think there's, uh, you know, some players obviously take a bit more time to adapt, but I think, you know, the quality of the player also has a big impact on that because we look at Santi Cazorla who came in last uh, last summer yeah. he came from Malaga spent his entire career living in you know hot sunny Spain playing in, in La Liga where it's not as physical not as you don't need the same endurance you don't get kicked as much and, and, and for him even the culture change might have been even greater than it is for, for Ozil who's played in, in Germany I think there's obviously a time issue where you expect players to adapt yeah. but I think it's got more to do with him getting used to his Arsenal teammates than getting used to English football. But, but yeah, it's a, it's a combination of both. Look, he's, he's the main man. He's going to be the fulcrum of the team. Opponents are going to target him. So And, and, and possibly for the first time in a, in a while, he's been at Real Madrid where Cristiano Ronaldo was the main man. Now it's him. And, 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 and just handling the responsibility of that is something that shouldn't be underestimated, I don't think. Look, he's got great ability. He's, he's an outstanding talent. He should stand out right from the word go. But if he doesn't, I don't think there's anything to worry about. It just may be that he needs a little bit of time to adjust to the new responsibility, the new surroundings. And as you say, his teammates, his teammates need to understand him as well. It's, it, it, these things don't come in the in two training sessions. That they, they take weeks and months to build up. And sooner or later, everybody's going to realise, you know, what, what makes him tick and, and how to get the best out of him. I mean, I'm sure there's no pressure at all. You know, a club like Arsenal who smashed their transfer record, you <laughs> signing or signing fees can be a bit of a millstone around some players next but let me ask you this then based you know on all that and on what you expect and, and the time it might take for him to settle in do you think he'll start tomorrow against Sunderland yeah I think so I think if, you, if you're going to spend that kind of money I think you should just throw them straight in the team it's not like he's struggling with injuries in decent form he played well for Germany so yeah no and with the injury to Thomas Rzitzky I guess it's it's worked out quite well um, for, for Ozil to come straight into the team yeah I do and uh, you know it's, it, it's not the toughest Premier League game out there but it but, you know, Arsenal have struggled, actually, in recent times against Sunderland to score goals. So, um, you know, having him around will help things, I, I hope, anyway. Mm, and the, the Rosicki role that you talk about, it's unfortunate for Thomas because he's been in good form and he started the season very well and, you know, now has this uh, injury picked up on international duty. But Ozil was a player that he was always going to compete with, I think, in that position yeah. in midfield. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's the same in any position on the pitch. When you sign one of the world's best in your position, there's not much you can do about it. It's just, you know, it's a serious competition for your place. You can just do what you can do. And, and, and Thomas has, has played well. He'll get his chances. There are loads of games this season. And, you know, as we know from this year already, players do go down with knocks and injuries. We've, seen, we've lost Podolski and Oxlade-Chamberlain recently. Now it's Thomas's turn. But, but when he's back, <laughs> the chances are that not everybody else will be fit either. So I don't think he's got anything to worry about. But the, the first choice attacking midfield three surely picks itself. It's Cazorla, Ozil and Walcott. And that's a pretty potent force, if you ask me. What does, uh, just 
you know, from a from a player's point of view, what does it do to a team when they see a, a guy like that come in? Because we, we had this issue all summer where the Arsenal players were talking about how they wanted new players to come in. They wanted new signings. You know, th- there was this acceptance that if they wanted to kick on and be better and improve and compete, that they needed better players uh, to come in. It, it looks like it might not happen at one stage. We left it as late as we could possibly <laughs> leave it, I think. so. Uh, but, I mean, that, that that's a road well-traveled in terms of analysis. But but yeah. how it will then impact on the on the rest of the guys in the team, and will it will it increase confidence, you know, within the group itself, Definitely. the squad? Hundred percent, it will increase confidence. It's going to increase their self esteem. Playing for Arsenal has all all of a sudden become more of a prestigious thing. The club go and play. So I wrote a piece about this today, actually, and and how the self esteem of the players will be lifted by this arrival. They've taken so many knocks. This group of players. They've, you know, they've been hammered for, for supposedly under underachieving. Every time they have an off day, they, they, they get battered. But, you know, now this signing, uh, uh, and they've lost their best players in recent years too, this signing signals a change. It shows that Arsenal mean business. They're showing ambition. And, uh, and as I wrote in my piece... It reminds me of the time when Bergkamp signed. I was a player there. We were a, we were a decent team. We weren't title challengers at the time. We were signing players in the bargain basement. Then, all of a sudden, a superstar is in our midst. And the belief, the expectations just go up so much instantly. Mm. And the standards rise. All of a sudden, other players want to join. And and it just kickstarts things. So I, I see this as the start of, of, of a new period for the club. And I... I can only see it going going in one direction, and that is that is upwards. That's a good direction to go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's speaking of directions, it, it was a little bit um, contentious after the first game of the of the season when we lost to, to Aston Villa, and you know there's a after a summer in which so much was happening and not happening in particular, there was a great deal of reaction to that, um, uh, understandable reaction too. But there was another reaction, and that's come from the team. Um, yeah. And they've won four, uh, the next four games on the trot uh, quite comfortably. Uh, they've played really well, and they have reacted to that opening day setback. Um, I think, you know, bringing in Ozil has, has sort of put the icing on, on that particular cake. <laughs> but you have to give credit to that group of players because, you know, they are, they're struggling in terms of numbers. You mentioned the yeah. injuries, you know, Podolsky, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Noah Arteta since the start of the season, and he's such an important player. So the guys that are there have really had to dig in. They've stepped up to the plate big time. Yeah, look, the Villa performance was really poor. It was a blip, though. When you look back at last season with, the, with, the, with that, that unbeaten run at the end and how the team have reacted, as you just explained, that, that was a one-off, really, that, that performance. So let's, let's hope that it stays that way and the team can continue on the right path. Yeah, there's, there's character in the team. There's this there's togetherness. That's the, that's the thing that really uh, fills me with confidence because in the past, I don't think the Arsenal team has been as united as it is right now and as it has been since they lost to Tottenham in March. I just think they re- they get on great with each other. They believe in each other. And look, I, ju- I, ju- I just feel really optimistic now that we've got the, you know, the, the big gun uh, with Ozil coming in to, to supplement it. There's no reason not to feel optimistic. The transfer window didn't go completely according to plan. I think... 
the manager would have liked to have brought in one or two other players. Hopefully, we can get through to January on this upward curve and then, and then add to the squad then. But no, credit, the, t- the players have done great. All of them, really, have stepped up. Giroud, he, he's playing better than ever. Ramsey's been outstanding. The defend, you know, I just think it's a team they're defending pretty well as well. So yeah, it's it's all good at the moment. It's you know, sort of uh, not triumph is the wrong word I'm looking no. for, but in the face of adversity, you often find out you know what what a team is made of. Yeah, and- but we haven't, yeah, we haven't had the toughest games. Mm. I think I think that has to be said. Fenerbahce weren't great. Fulham, I don't think are going to be in the top half this season. So, it, you know, the Tottenham the Tottenham game I thought was was a tactical triumph from Arsene Wenger and and uh, and a real performance of character from the players so but 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 it wasn't one-way traffic was it against Tottenham it was a difficult game so so you know let's not get too carried away but but yeah the the signs are all positive as far as I can see sure I want to I want to touch on Jack Wilshire because um he's a player that's been in the news a bit this week because he played for England and I don't think England played particularly well uh, in their internationals. And, and <laughs> it wasn't pretty, was it? <laughs> well, I didn't see it. I was not watching Ireland instead. Ah, um, uh, so, uh, <laughs> um, Wilshire seems to have come in for a little bit of criticism from, from certain members of the press. Um, in a way, I think it's kind of unfair because he is, after all, just going through his first full preseason in, in nearly three years and he's had those uh, you know those really unfortunate injuries which have uh, hampered his development I mean how do you see the way this season is going to shape up for him because he was at one point seen as the the the, the guy who might be the number 10 this creative midfielder yeah. he may have to then change his his game a little bit is it all about now staying fit for a prolonged period and and sort of getting the confidence uh, that he knows he's not going to be in and out of the team or out for three months here or, or four yeah. months there. And at that point then, once he's done that, he can really start to concentrate on on how he's playing rather than simply just playing. Yeah, I, th- I think so. It's important that he just gets a string of games together. He, yeah, he didn't play well for England. He, he's been good for, for Arsenal in recent weeks, but not perhaps he hasn't shone as much as Aaron Ramsey, for example. But th- these things happen. You know, form comes in cycles. There's a period last year where he was clearly the main man the team weren't playing very well at the time but he stepped up to the plate and delivered and and he will do it again it's he's just not at the moment in as good a condition i guess physically perhaps and uh, and in, in terms of form as somebody like aaron ramsey personally i don't think the number 10 position was the one that suited him the most anyway. Uh, I think Ozil's perfect for it, Kazola's perfect for it, and Rizicki is ideal for it as well. So uh, he would be my fourth choice in that position. For me, he's an all-round midfielder, like Aaron Ramsey, that, that, that should receive the ball all over the pitch. He can tackle, he can pass, he can make things happen. So I think I see him as one of the two in there. But when Arteta comes back... It's going to be really, really interesting to see who Arsene Wenger picks as his mm. first choice because you can't drop Aaron Ramsey at the moment. And Mikel Arteta has been exceptional in that position and, and formed a great partnership with Ramsey. So it's going to be fascinating to see what, what happens there. I think Jack needs to needs to up, the, up his game a little bit to, to ensure that he doesn't lose his place when Arteta comes back. But look, he's a class act and he, he will have a great season, I'm sure of it. 
let's not forget Matthew Flamini is in there now as well. And, you know, yeah. if we can look at this squad and say, well, perhaps we were a striker short in the in the window mm-hmm. uh, and maybe a centre half, you might say. But midfield is a place where there really is good competition for places. And, you know, yeah. ultimately, it's only to the benefit of the players and the teams if we have that. Yeah, uh, look, I think a lot of people were expecting a big-name defensive midfield signing. I think Flamini actually is the ideal compromise if you can't get that guy because... Uh, and, and did we really need that guy? That's that's the other question because of the competition that we were just talking about. So, yeah, Flamini will do a great job. He can fill in there coming on as a sub just to shore things up or when when the need requires it, he can come in and play a specialist man-marking role. Because Not that that's something Arsene Wenger does very often, but he, he's certainly that type of player that can, can deliver it. He also offers cover at fullback. So, so Flamini, really, it was a smart signing, I think. And, and yeah, it does mean that, I think, in central defence, an attack is where the club will focus all their attention in January and and we do need to but to get another centre back and another striker. Uh, and hopefully now that Urzel's there, other players will be will be eyeing up Arsenal from now on. All right. Well look uh, that that's a bridge we can cross at a uh, <laughs> another time. I've I've kinda had my fill of transfers and transfer yeah, me too. <laughs> for the moment. Uh, before we go, let's talk about the new show that you're doing. You you're still doing the breakdown, which is the tactical analysis on, on Arsenal.com and, and the yeah. Arsenal player. But there's a new show, a phone in show called uh, the clock end which is every monday that's right yeah live seven till eight on a monday evening uh, the full show you can download it afterwards as a podcast but really it's all about getting involved on the night and yeah it's i mean it's not too dissimilar to the old fans forum with uh, with tom watt um, it's a it's a phone-in show but we set we tend to set the agenda we, we we kind of i kind of block out sections of the show where we're going to talk about this and talk about that i want to focus on certain areas rather than let it just ramble on for for an hour or so i want it to be specifically targeted for different areas and hope, and, I, and i think the feedback well i know that the feedback's been really positive people seem to enjoy it the hour absolutely flies by mm. but we do need the callers, and, and uh, you know, uh, if you if you'll forgive me, I'll, I'll make a call to arms. Um, <laughs> um, please, we do want first time callers. I don't want the same people every single week to to get on air. I want to hear from lots and lots of different articulate Arsenal fans and fans with different opinions, and 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 we will, you know, you, you've got a good chance of getting on the show. And if if you call in before the show starts, they do promise to call you back uh, you know they'll, they'll book you in for a slot and call you back throughout the show so um and so this yeah is, this is for you know not just people in the uk but also you know international viewers and fans who can call in and and uh, the same applies to them yeah totally yeah no we have callers from all over the world africa asia you know there's a caller from dubai nigeria this week um so yeah no people can call in from all over the world and and you know via skype i guess some of the people are calling in on and as i say yeah uh, that the people on the switchboard will call back so yeah the fans make the show you know we we have lots and lots of good chat myself and a and a a leading journalist uh, in the studio but the fans make it by calling in so i'd love to get more variety and more callers to take part in the show all right well continue good luck with the show and um we'll catch up with you again later in the season adrian clark thank you very much yeah top man thanks andrew thank you indeed to adrian you can find him on twitter adrian j clark uh, with an e 
That's uh, Clark with an E, not Jay with an E. Or you can find him on Arsenal.com doing the breakdown, which is a tactical look at all the Arsenal games. I think it's all of them. It could be just the Premier League games. Or the Clock End, which is the call-in show every Monday night. So do check out the website. You'll find out all the details of how to get involved if you want to do that. All the contact information. And Adrian, obviously, would be delighted to hear from you. Uh, So go check that out on Arsenal.com. Looking ahead very shortly to the weekend, our first glimpse of Mesut Ozil. And also... Champions League starts next week. We travel away to Marseille. So we'll be uh, checking out those two games before the end of the show. Right now, though, some Amari Bischoff P.I. I was sitting there reading Marlowe when the guy walked into the office. Whoa, that was meta. He was tall, blonde, and fat. At least I think he was. I couldn't tell. Maybe it was his beard, or maybe it was the camera angle. Then I realized this is not 2348 when every human being will have the ability to take snapshots with their own eyes. Don't ask me how I know that. I'm not going to tell you. What do you want, mister, I said. Look, he said, I work for this company and I need your help. How's that, I said. Well, he said, I'm the greatest employee that ever lived, but they don't appreciate me. They keep sending me out places, weird places, places I don't want to go. Sounds to me like you need to find another job, I said. No, he said, I want you to go in there, fiddle around with things, you know, make it look like I'm indispensable to them. Mister, I said, I'm a private eye, not a goddamn miracle worker. We'll have more from Amari Bischoff P.I. on Arscast still to come. Not that I can see into the future or anything, I, I just know... So a gut feeling, what can I tell you? So, looking ahead to the weekend, and we have got a trip to Sunderland, um, one that has, in recent seasons, been quite tricky. The last time we went there and won by more than one goal was in the 2005-2006 season. We've had our share of wins, we've also had our share of disappointments up there. Uh, So it's going to be a tricky enough game and obviously getting people back from international duty and getting the team gelling, etc., etc., is always a little bit difficult, especially when we've got something new uh, to add to the mix. And the question, of course, is whether or not Mesut Ozil will start. I think it would be crazy, really crazy. I think it would be mad not to start him. We spend £42.5 million on one of the best players in the world. Why would we not start him? Thomas Rosicki is out injured. Um, if he were still fit, you might say, well, he could introduce him off the bench. But, you know, I think he's got to start. He's just such a fantastic player. I don't think the Premier League is going to phase him one little bit. I don't think English football, the climate, the crowds, you know, none of it is going to phase him. He's just such a good footballer. Uh, it might take him some time, as we spoke about earlier with Adrian, to, to sort of get to know his teammates. And, and it'll take a, a little while for us to see the best of him. But... But, but I don't see any reason not to start him. There's no point being afraid or cautious. He's certainly not going to be afraid or cautious, and he's going to want to play as well. He hasn't come here to sit in the bench. You don't spend that much money on a substitute. The bigger question for me is is who is uh, behind him in the midfield. I think Aaron Ramsey is uh, is the first name down, and then you've got to choose between Jack Wilshire and Matthew Flamini. And I just wonder 
after Wilshire playing and the two internationals and the question marks over the way he played in those games, which I think are unfair. But I just think that Flamini might get the nod for a, a difficult away trip just to add a bit of steel, a bit of experience to the side. Uh, the rest of the team more or less picks itself because uh, the squad is still quite light, as we know. Um, what impact will Ozil have? Who knows? Who knows? I think he's going to be... Uh, closely watched. Whether they can do anything about it remains to be seen. We've got Giroud in good form. It's about time Walcott got a goal this season, so maybe uh, Ozil and Walcott will combine. He can spot one of the runs, and uh, it's what he seems to be good at. Certainly he did it for Ronaldo at Real Madrid. Not that I'm saying Walcott is like Ronaldo, but those runs and that pace, uh, they do have similarities in that regard, so so let's wait and see. If you're interested in a quick bet on the game, Paddy Power are giving 6-4 to four for an Ozil assist this weekend. And if you want to sign up with Paddy Power, you can do that by going to arsblog.com forward slash bet. And there's a link there to take you through to register for the Paddy Power site. If you bet 10, you get 20 back in bets, which isn't bad at all. Six to four, Ozil for an assist. Uh, I think I might put a couple of quid on that all the same. So that's the weekend game against Sunderland. And then, of course, we go away to Marseille. Um, in the Champions League and uh, the Champions League well and truly upon us now the group stages and it's a difficult group this is one of the games or certainly one of the away games that you would prefer us to get three points from because the other two I think are more tricky Um, I remember the last time we played them was it a really really late goal from Aaron Ramsey like super late into injury time sort of late that we won the game uh, extremely late on but um We'll obviously have to wait and see how we go at the weekend before we can make any real judgments on that. But look, you know, the players are in good form. Um, four wins from the opening five games. Hopefully the rhythm that we got going after the uh, the Villa game hasn't been disrupted too much. And Ozil will come in, slot in there and just, you know, make things tick and purr and all kinds of nice things in terms of football. So uh, let's keep fingers crossed for that. Other than that, that's about it for this week. There won't be an Arscast next week. Uh, Because I'm off on my holidays. Uh, Tom will be here for you, blogging, but he won't be arsecasting. Uh, I'm off to uh, to New York, so might see some of the New York hunters in the Blind Pig, where you all congregate for the game. I might pop in there and uh, drink a beer. The uh, Stoke game on the Sunday morning is particularly early after a Saturday night, but uh, I'm assuming they do pictures of Bloody Mary, which would uh, sort me right out. Uh, so until the next Sarscast, which is going to be in a couple of weeks from now, take it easy. Here's the three points at the weekend, three points in midweek, and all the rest of it going smooth smoothly between now and the next time we talk. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. You know, you always got boy, I'm on your own. 
I never really cared until McBain. No, I never was just oh oh hello, eh? Uh, I'm McBain. No, knowing the greatest striker that ever lived. We see footballers these days are doing the new craze, sucking stuff out of balloons. Now I'm not one to be left behind, so uh, can be a balloon here. Just gonna have a go at this. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Hippie gee or something. I don't know. Have a go out with this balloon. Ah, hello there. I'm Nick Banner. <laughs> <It's> so funny. <laughs>